Well, I invite you to grab a seat. Tab and the band will be back a little bit later. Uh, I'd love to introduce myself. My name is Chris. If you're new or if this is your first time here, uh, we are so glad that you're joining us. You're actually joining us a little bit into a series that we launched last week. It's a series that we're really excited about. It's called I Can't Believe in a God Who. And the reason we're so excited about this series is it's a little different from any other series that we've ever done in that you helped us create it. A couple of months ago on our social media platforms, we put out the question and we we put an online survey out, an anonymous survey, and we said, hey, we want you and we want your friends and anyone you know to answer the question, I can't believe in a God who, and insert insert whatever God that you struggle, whatever God you wrestle with and and the God that you maybe struggle to believe in. And last week we launched the series uh, and we talked about the idea that maybe the God that you struggle to believe in never existed to begin with. Maybe the reason you walked away from church when you were younger, maybe the reason that you went to church for a little bit and then turned your back on it, or maybe the reason that you're just so close to walking away now is because you believe in a God and you projected onto a God that never, ever existed to begin with. And uh, next week, just where we're going, where part three is we want to, I can't believe in a God who seems so distant. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've had a bit of a, you have a relationship with Jesus and you think everyone else seems to be really close to God. He just seems to be distant for me. And then in part four, this part four is probably going to be my favorite part. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I can't believe in a God who sent his son to die. Isn't that kind of just like divine child abuse, really, that God would send his son to die? Like, if God really loved everyone so much, why didn't God just send himself? Why, didn't God, why did God have to send his son? And if any of that interests you or you think, hey, I've got a friend who would love to talk, uh, listen to this, I would encourage you to jump online to our SoundCloud, www.soundcloud.com, uh, and just type in Beyond Church, and you'll be able to find uh, the part one, you'll be able to find part two later in the week, and part three and four in weeks to come. But as we kick off uh, tonight, this is, this is a response from you, we don't know who it is, but someone wrote this, they wrote on the answer form, I can't believe in a God who allows bad things to happen to good people. I can't believe in a God who allows bad things to happen to good people. And that is a great question. In fact, if you're here tonight and you wouldn't maybe consider yourself a particularly religious person, chances are that if you've ever asked this question of a Christian or any religious person, this is the question that makes them squirm the most. This is the question that people are like, oh, I don't, I don't really like know how to answer that. There's never really a really good answer. But something you may not know, I don't really talk about uh, my study or, or anything much, but this kind of question is not debated and is not really talked about as a question that's up for grabs in the academic world. When you get philosophers who talk about this, this is not a question that they really discuss. Uh, so at the moment, I'm currently studying my master's in philosophy, and so do, we're doing some research on this, and philosophers across the world, not just Christian philosophers, not just philosophers that believe in a God, but agnostic and atheist philosophers say that this is not really a question that they think needs answering in the fact that God can still exist and evil can still exist and there's no inconsistency there. God existing and evil existing are not inconsistent and philosophers don't think that this is a good argument to disprove God. But the problem is, is that for a lot of us, if we're really honest... And when you've asked this yourself, you weren't asking it in an intellectually philosophical framework. Because chances are something happened to you or something happened to someone you know and you, out of the result of that experience, you said, how can God, if he's all good, allow this to happen? 
Because when, it, when something happens to us, when we experience suffering, it, isn't it true that intellectual answers never seem to emotionally satisfy? That's not to say that there aren't good intellectual answers, but if you have an emotional question, and if it's coming from a, a place of pain, an intellectual answer does not satisfy. And so when it comes to the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I've got a question for you to kind of jog your thinking. Why do you ask? Why do you ask that question? Because usually there's a story behind the question. Usually the reason that you're wrestling with this tension or that you're asking it in the first place is because you've got a story. And for all of us in this room tonight, there are, there are a whole heap of different stories that come from different perspectives. And you ask this because you say, hey, look, when my parents split up, my brother and my sister shouldn't have been made the bargaining chip. Why is it that my grandparents just lived such a great life and then all of a sudden they got that diagnosis? And the last few years of their life were just so hard for us and so hard for them to handle. Hey, why is it that all my friend did in that relationship was the right thing and then he treated her that way or she treated him that way? They didn't deserve that at all. And there's always a story behind that question and I don't want to discount that. And when we give an intellectual answer, it discredits our story. And we kind of feel like, hey, my story's not special. And I want to answer and I want to help you work through your story tonight. But if you push back against God because you had a bad experience, if you push back against God because something happened to you or someone in your family or someone in your workplace or someone that you're really close to, and you said, how could God allow that? And you walked away from God. You need to ask yourself this question. What's your alternative explanation? Because I, I understand. I understand why it may be a challenge. You go, hey, God, I'm wrestling with this. But what's your alternative explanation? What, what else do you fall back onto to, to help you wrestle through the fact that there is suffering in the world? I want to show you a number of uh, alternative explanations that are out there. Uh, atheism or naturalism answers this question, why do good things happen to bad people? They answer it this way. They say that suffering is random. If you don't believe in God, if you're a naturalist, if you believe that this world, the, the physical world, is all that we have and all that we ever will have, and once we're gone, that's it, then suffering is ultimately random. We're here by a random set of chance. There's no meaning ultimately to our life, so I'm sorry that it's happening to you, but suffering is random on an atheistic or naturalistic worldview. Buddhism. Buddhism approaches suffering, and they said, hey, in, in order to get past suffering, what you need to do is you need to detach yourself from suffering. The ultimate goal of Buddhism is detachment from the world, detachment from friends, detachment from family, and ultimately detachment from suffering. That's how Buddhism seeks to answer this question. Hinduism, this is, this is probably my least favorite explanation. Hinduism says that uh, bad things are as a result of karma. In other words, if there's a bad thing happening to you, you're probably not as good a person as you think either in this life or in a past life, because Hinduism believes in multiple lives, reincarnation, you did something and it's coming back to haunt you now. Islam answers the question, they, they say that bad things are as, as, a, as a result of personal sin. You've done something or you've said something to offend Allah and Allah is punishing you for what you've done. 
that's the alternative explanations, the main alternative explanations that are out there to answer that question. So what about Christianity? What kind of answer does Christianity, what kind of answer does Jesus give for this question of why do, good thing, why do bad things happen to good people? And I'll be honest with you, Christianity doesn't give uh, so much of a stock standard answer. There are, there are some really great intellectual questions, answers, like we said, you can go and look them up. But Christianity answers this question with an event and a person. Christianity gives less of an answer and points more towards an event and points more towards an event, uh, 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 a person. And the reason that we do is because Jesus' story, we believe, makes the most sense of your story. Jesus' story, and a couple of weeks ago we celebrated Easter. And Easter is the climax of Jesus' story. Where, if you're not particularly familiar with the Easter story, let me catch you right up because we're going to dive in around this uh, time period tonight. On, uh, Jesus was crucified and killed on a Friday. On a Friday, Jesus was nailed to a cross for a crime that he didn't commit. The Jewish religious leaders were offended by some of the things that he was saying, and so they made up some false charges, and they took him to the Roman court, and they said, hey, this guy is making a little bit of an uproar, and we don't like it. And the Roman court said, we can't find anything wrong with him. We don't think he's doing anything, he's not saying anything, and, but they were a little bit afraid of a Jewish uprising. So they turned Jesus over to the Jewish leaders and they took him out to a hill just outside of Jerusalem and they hung him on a cross between two thieves and murdered him for a crime that he never, ever committed. And that, we believe, that story makes the most sense of your story. And you're probably like, what? How does that story make the most sense of my story? How does that help me to wrestle through my suffering? Well, that was Friday. And then on Sunday, which is where we're going to dive in. So Friday, Jesus was crucified. And then Saturday is the Jewish Sabbath. So all of Jesus' followers, because they were Jewish, they're like, time to, time to have a time out, quick day off. And so early on the Sunday morning, Jesus' women followers came to the, to the tomb to kind of finish up the burial, because it was a rushed burial. It happened on Friday. They didn't have quite enough time to kind of do everything they needed to do. And so early on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and some of her friends kind of go to the tomb in the early hours of the morning. It's dark. Uh, it's about, probably about 5 a.m. And so they go to the tomb. And when they get there, they see that the stone's been rolled away. And there's no Roman guards guarding it like they were supposed to be. And they're kind of like, what is going on? And so they do the only thing they know what to do. They race home and they grab Jesus' best mate, John, and Peter. And they say, hey, guys, you need to come check this out. You need to help us make sense of this because we don't know how to make sense of it. And John and Peter went back to the tomb and they looked inside and they kind of asked some questions and they scratched their head and they didn't know what to do. And so like all good blokes, when they don't know what to do, this is what happened. They went home. They decided that the footy was on. They decided we can't answer that question uh, right now. We don't know what to do, so... Oh, we'll just, we may as well go home, right? And poor old Mary is left at the tomb. Her teacher has just been crucified a few days earlier and all of a sudden it's empty and she is suffering. And what we're going to look at is a couple of conversations that Mary had that helped her make sense of her story and could help you make sense of your story as well. It's in John uh, chapter 20, verse 10. If you've got your iPhones, your iPads, if not, it'll come up on the screen. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. 
And as she wept, she stooped and looked inside. Must not have any slides, there must be a technical error. Uh, And she stooped and looked inside. So Mary's kind of standing there, she's hanging out and she's looking, uh, she's so, so upset with what's going on, but she thinks, Peter and John went inside, maybe I'll just look inside and see what's going on. And so she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. And you're probably like, whoa, whoa, white-robed angels, come on, Chris, like, come on. And I understand that if this is your first time, you're kind of thinking like, that might be a little bit weird, but, but don't miss the main point of what John's writing, just because there's a little section that you're, having, that you're struggling with. So we'll, we go on, it says, uh, and these, these are guy angels. My bet, I have no evidence for this apart from the question they ask. I'm just going to have a bet that these are guy angels because this woman comes in to the empty tomb, tears streaming down her face. They're sitting on the place where Jesus' body was laying and this is the question that these angels ask the woman. Dear woman, why are you crying? That's, that's a guy question to ask. That is such a guy, not like, what are you feeling? What emotions? Are you? They're just like, why are you crying? Like, what's, what's up? And Mary... <laughs> Mary kind of like, she's, she's very nice. I don't know, maybe John like didn't write down all of Mary's response, but Mary responded this way. She said, because they have taken my Lord away. Notice how Mary responds. She doesn't say they've taken the Lord. They've taken that guy called Jesus. She said, they've taken my Lord away. This is personal for Mary. This is a big deal for Mary. Jesus was not just some glorified teacher that she didn't know. Jesus was her Messiah, was her teacher. It was so personal. She was, she was really wrestling with this. And then she goes on, she says, I don't know where they have put him. Because at this point in time, Mary, Mary's not believing that Jesus has risen from the grave. Mary still thinks that in the midst of her suffering, in the midst of her pain, that someone, maybe the Jewish leaders, maybe the Roman authorities or maybe some grave robbers have come along during the night, have rolled the stone away and they have taken Jesus' body and dumped it somewhere as a horrible, horrible prank. And Mary is, is distraught. Not only is her rabbi and her teacher dead, but now she doesn't even have a body to grieve over. And she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. She doesn't really know who it is. She's, the kind of tears are just overflowing and she sees someone and she needs an answer. And she starts to approach this person. And before she can get all the way over, this person asks her a question. And it's, you know, you can tell it's a guy asking the question because they ask the same question that angels ask. They say, dear woman, why are you crying? Except it was Jesus asking her. And Jesus adds something on at the end that the angels didn't add on. And this bit that Jesus added on at the end, when we see what Jesus added on, we get a glimpse into the heart, not only of Jesus, but also how Christianity uses this event to help us make sense of our story. Jesus says, who are you looking for? Not what are you looking for, who are you looking for? And if we're, if we're honest, and if you're really honest, when it comes to this problem of why do bad things happen to good people, why did this situation that I'm experiencing, that I've been a part of, that I was a part of, you're not looking so much for an answer as you're looking for a person. 
I mean, think about it. When you were little and you scraped your knee or you stubbed your toe and you started to cry, who did you call out for? Mum, dad, older brother, older sister, grandma. And when they came, you didn't want them to sit down and go, well, that's bleeding because of the rock that you've hit it against and now there's some blood flowing, but don't worry, it'll, uh, it'll clot up in a second and then it'll scab over eventually and in time, there won't be any pain anymore, but you'll have a little bit of a scar. You didn't want them to tell them what. You didn't want a what, you wanted a who. In fact, maybe in your school, in your classroom, maybe in your university lecture, or maybe in your workplace, when you've got a big assignment or when you're wrestling through a project and you don't know the answer to it, Chances are you don't go, well, what are we going to do? Chances are you say, I wish such and such was here right now. If such and such was here, if, if Bill or Craig or Jenny or Andrew or whoever it is was here right now, they would be able to help us get through this. They would know what to say. They would know exactly what needs to be done. And if, if you've had a bad day and there's some things that you need to talk through, Chances are you've got that person that you get on the phone or that person that you text, not when you're driving, of course, or that person that when you get home, you make a cup of tea and you say, hey, I really need to talk to you. I've had a bad day. You're my person. I need to talk to you because we're not looking so much for an answer as we're looking for a person. And Christianity answers suffering through the person of Jesus. And it goes on. It says, she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary still hasn't made sense. Like, you know, there's tears in her eyes. She still hasn't recognized it's Jesus. And she's like, what have you done with him? Because I need to find him. I need some closure. And Jesus responds. He says, Mary. And in that moment, Mary turns to him and she uses this Hebrew word. She cries out, Rabboni, which means teacher. Rabboni. And in that moment, it suddenly makes sense for Mary. Everything starts to make sense. All of a sudden, she realizes the tomb is not empty because grave robbers came. The tomb is not empty because the Jewish authorities were playing a prank or the Romans came and just wanted to eradicate Jesus off the face of the earth. The tomb is empty because Jesus has overcome the grave. And all of a sudden, the suffering she's experiencing in that moment is put into perspective. And she sees that the suffering she was going through is not all that it is because if Jesus has overcome the grave, then this life is not all that there is to live. And I get that there are some of you sitting there right now and you're thinking, well, great, that, Chris, that's great for Mary, but what about me? Because Mary's issue was that Jesus was dead and that Jesus was alive, okay? My issue is not fixing itself. My perspective is not changing itself by the fact that, that Jesus just rose from the grave. Okay, I'm not worried about the fact that Jesus is dead. Okay, I, I have an issue that's going on in my home. I have an issue that's going on in my friendship group and I need an answer. How does that help me make sense of my story? And the way it helps us make sense is the same way it helped Mary make sense. Because when Jesus entered history, his story changed your story. When Jesus died on the cross on that Friday and then rose three days later on the Sunday, his story changed your story and it changed my story. Because what his death and his resurrection do is it moves the finish line. 
It says, hey, what's going on right now is not the only life. There is something beyond this life. Death and the grave, there is something more to come. And that does not mean that we will not experience suffering and we will not experience pain in this life, but it means that we have something to cling onto and something to press through that in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, we can see past it. And we can see past our pain to a hope and we can see past our pain to a future that not just exists in this life but goes on for eternity. And what does this mean? What does this mean for you? It means that right now, whatever you're experiencing, whatever your story has told up to right now, whatever your story is writing right now, it means that you're only part of the way through. And the story is not over. And if your faith is placed in Jesus, the story continues past this life. We have this thing here at Beyond, it's called Full Monday, because uh, we believe there's no point coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't impact you, if it's not helpful for you for the rest of the week. And that chances are some of you are sitting there and you're probably like, okay, Chris, what's, some pr- what's a practical thing I can do this week? What's practical? What makes sense? What, what's something I can grab onto and do this week that will actually help me? Because my crisis is right now. I've got some things going on right now that I need help with. Well, the Full Monday for this week, I'm going to say it, and it's not going to make sense when you hear it, but then I'll give you a little bit of context, okay? So don't dismiss it straight away. The full Monday for this week is I want you to carry a stone everywhere you go this week. As you leave tonight on our funky-looking bar tables, we have a couple of baskets, and they are packed full with little, little pebbles, little stones. I want you to grab one of these stones, and I want you to take it everywhere you go this week. Stick it in your pocket, stick it in your purse, stick it in your backpack, Wherever you go, I want you to carry this stone with you. And then as you're walking along or or whatever it is and you're reminded of what you're going through, you're reminded of the hurt that you're experiencing in your family, what you're wrestling through around your school circle of friends, your work circle of friends, those acquaintances, whatever it is that you're walking through, I want you to just put your hand in your pocket, stick your hand in your purse, I want you to grab the stone. And I want you to let that stone be the same reminder to you that it was to Mary that Sunday when she walked in the dark and all of a sudden the tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away and she couldn't make sense of it straight away. And then all of a sudden she realized a few hours later, a few conversations on that the stone being rolled away changed everything. That it moved the finish line. And that it meant her hope did not have to be in her circumstances or in this world, but her hope went past her current circumstances and her hope was in a God that overcame the grave and that ultimately for her Jesus' story made the most sense of her story and for you tonight and for us in this life Jesus' story can help us make the most sense of our story And then as well, because we know that we live in a technological age and we don't want you to just walk out this door and we don't want you to to know that, we we don't want you to think that when you leave this place, no one is going to be looking out for you. In fact, tonight, if you need to talk to someone, if you need to grab someone by the hand and grab it, get a coffee with them, the Connect desk, as you walked in, the green looking desk, that's the place to go. But in case you maybe think, hey, you know, I I don't really want to put my my, uh, issues onto someone else. I kind of just want to keep it to myself. But I would love to know someone's praying for me. 
I would love to know someone's thinking for me. We have created a hashtag this week. And the hashtag is hashtag hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. And if, you, if you're on Instagram or if you're on Facebook or whatever social media platform you use, you don't have to, we're not saying, hey, write, tell us about your suffering. This, that's just between you and, and your close circle of friends and the people you need to get support through. But this week on Instagram, we want you to hashtag hold on to hope. And we'll have a team of our people that will be searching that hashtag. And we will be praying for every single person that, that puts that hashtag in, hold on to hope. Because we don't, we don't know your story personally, but we know that God does. And we know that God cares about your story. And we know that Jesus wrote himself into the story because his story helps us make sense of our own stories. And so we want to pray for you this week and we want to support you this week. So take a stone or connect at the desk or just put the hashtag in this week, hold on to hope and know that Jesus' story can help you make the most sense of your story. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, the circumstances that we're going through right now, the suffering that we're experiencing can be overwhelming. And Lord, we can be forced to cry out as so many of us do, Lord, why did you let this happen? Why am I going through this right now? And Lord, we know that intellectual answers when it comes to a one-on-one relationship, when it comes to the hurt, the emotional hurt, the physical hurt that we're suffering, never quite satisfy. But Lord, we thank you that Christianity and Jesus doesn't seek to give a nice, neat answer to this question of suffering. That Jesus says, hey, life is messy. And there's no neat answer, but through my death, through my resurrection, my story can help you make sense of your story. And Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who is in the midst of that suffering. Their suffering is kind of really, it's hard for them to see past. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them tonight through your Holy Spirit and they would see that the finish line has been moved. That through Jesus' death and resurrection, that doesn't mean that they won't suffer. That doesn't mean that we won't experience pain in this life, but it means the finish line has moved. That this life is not all that there is and there is a hope past our pain. And Lord, that you want to comfort us and you want to walk through us. And Lord, you want us to hold on to the hope of the resurrection. And so Lord, as we leave this place tonight, as we take a stone up as we go on our journey, help us cling to the hope that is found in the story, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.